Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast. We are from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah. Each week, we will be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam and I serve as the Campus Support Team Director here at South Mountain Community Church and I'm so excited that we are back for another season. Um, It's actually funny, I'm always not sure what the interest is in our podcast. I do get to look at data and analytics and things like that, Um, but I was just at our Lehigh campus um, just this last Sunday and had somebody come up and I was like, hey, I, man, I travel a lot for work and I and I miss the podcast. Like, when is that coming back on? And so I know that there are people out there right now that are thinking, hey, I, I was wondering when this is going to start up again. And uh, and here's the thing. We're really glad to be back here again with you. We know we've taken a bit of a break. Uh, Easter makes things kind of busy, um, but we are glad to to be back here. Um, and, and just an update in general on SMCC, because I know that it's been a little bit since season three ended. Um, and, and maybe this is maybe your only connection to SMCC, maybe not. Um, but this is now where we're starting our recording again in April of 2021. And um, this is really just uh, for me as a, as a staff member, just a really cool season to be a part of. If you're listening and, and, and just not sure, you know, how is SMCC going? The short of it is is that um, SMCC is just doing just really, um, really well right now. I'm, I'm really excited for all that's happening with people starting to come back uh, to church, um, getting involved. We keep seeing attendance rising um, from you know weeks previous. It's just a really great time to be here. And I know as a staff member, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you guys uh, that are listening and, and helping us out. So thank you for that. And just a reminder, if you want to do something simple for us, here's what you can do, something simple and free. You can go ahead and leave a review uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. That helps us a lot. Um, and then also just make sure to share with a friend, subscribe. All those things are simple, 30-second things uh, that are free to do that help us out. So thank you for that in advance. Uh, we really appreciate it. Now, with season four of this podcast, we've got something a little bit different that we're trying. So I was talking with Pastor Eric about this and trying to figure out what is it that we do to, to do something a little bit different, to, to kind of go differently than what we have been doing. Because each season has been a little bit of a different flavor. And now I think we're really kind of stepping into something that, that is, is truly something different that we want to try a little bit creative for this season. And we hope that you guys really enjoy it. What we want to do in season four is invite more staff to be a part of this podcast, to get more voices from kind of inside SMCC to, to speak on different things. And when me and Pastor Eric talked about this, we thought that it would be interesting to get staff on, not just to have them here to talk, but to talk about something that they are um, interested in, that they find uh, exciting, that, that, that they are um, doing in their ministry, just to provide some context around what we're doing and what we're thinking through as a staff as it goes. So we hope this will be interesting to you. And each season, you know, season five is going to be something different than season four is. Um, but we are uh, really just having fun with this and hope that you are enjoying it. And so today is episode one of season four of us trying this out. So today with me, I have two people from our Draper staff. And I've got uh, Joe McGavin here on one side of me and Nick Crook on the other. Guys, how are you doing? Doing good, man. It's a beautiful Tuesday morning in Utah, so uh, feeling good. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. 
Awesome. And and I assume I assume you guys have listened to the podcast before as, as staff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you guys are are here now and uh, you, uh, I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, are the first people that I decided to have on for this. Now, our listeners may not know or they may not be involved at a campus or, or you know, they, they may be on a different campus. Um, you guys both work at our Draper campus in students. When, what are you guys' actual titles? I want to make sure I've got those right, too. Yeah, so I'm the pastor's student ministry over the Draper campus. And I'm the pastor of middle school ministry. Got it. So Joe, pastor of student ministry. Nick, pastor of middle school ministry. Mm -hmm. Got it. Excellent. Now, uh, just so that we can have some context around this, because again, I'm not sure what all people know. You guys are both relatively new to the Draper campus to some degree in, in terms of staffing. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of just want to hear a little bit, and you can just give people a little bit of a, a history of, of where you come from. I know that you've both been involved with SMCC for a while, but kind of just tell me, how did you get to be where you're at now? Yeah, uh, I just turned 30 in February. I moved to Utah at 21 or 22, uh, finished college, uh, decided to move out to Utah. I had a buddy who was like, hey, you want to get out of Illinois? I'm originally from Chicago. He said, come check it out. I uh, stayed in his basement for a couple months and loved it. Um, was also particularly passionate about like the idea of doing ministry in Utah. Um, it's just a really unique place compared to other states and the religious makeup, and that got me really excited to be a part of. And came to SMCC one of my first weekends. Uh, met some people that were on staff at that point um, and convinced them to give me an internship. Um, and then I was on staff uh, as a student ministry intern and then pastor middle school ministry um, and then some different various roles in student ministries uh, for about three or four years. Uh, and then I transitioned off staff um, for three years, spent a year in the corporate world doing kind of some finance and risk management type things, found out, um, didn't really enjoy that. Um, it wasn't my... Um, I liked parts of it, but as a job as a whole, it just wasn't for me. Um, and so then I spent a, two years, two and a half years as a teacher um, over at Juan Diego, uh, coaching and teaching over there. I love that. I got to see a lot of awesome people and uh, make some awesome relationships, and that was a lot of fun. Um, then this past summer, uh, Mike Bell, the campus pastor here at Draper, gave me a call and asked me if I'd consider coming back on the team to kind of lead this, lead up the student ministry department here at SMCC Draper. Awesome. Well, that's a cool history. And what? And when you were a teacher and a coach, was uh, what were you teaching exactly? Or you were coaching volleyball? Is that true? Or yeah. Okay. And what did you teach? I taught history. Um, cool. So it was like history and government and all that kind of stuff. And is that general interest for you, or is that just kind of like what got popped on your plate? Or? Yeah. So that was my major uh, for my undergrad. Um, okay. So I did my undergrad. I got a uh, major in history with a minor in ethics, and then my master's in theology and apologetics. Sweet. That's awesome. Well, thanks for that, that that quick history. I know, like I said, it just kind of helps to know where people have been and hear how they got to be where they are. So, Nick Crook, you're on the other side of me. Uh, so, what's uh, what is your history? Uh, you know, with SMCC and how did you get to be here now? Yeah, well, I was born and raised in Washington State. Grew up in the same in the same city my whole life. It's the city of Puyallup. It's one of those. One of those Washington towns that when I show people, you get 15 different pronunciations. What but is it Puyallup? Is. Puyallup. It is a suburb of, I would say, Tacoma, technically. It's where the state fair is, so we're pretty famous for that. Do you know what the name means? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have no idea. No idea. Okay. No I, idea. Just, I come from Wisconsin where there's funny names that are like 
uh, basically Native American tribes like Muckwanago and like Muskego. Yes, it it is a Native American tribe. In fact, my dad has some Native American ancestry in him. So we'd grow up going uh, to different areas on the Puyallup Reservation. That's where we'd buy our fireworks because you get a cheap deal there. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, well, I didn't mean to interrupt. Continue. (laughs) I'm just curious. (laughs) You're all good. And so born and raised in, in Puyallup, Washington, and then some of my family moved out to Utah when I was in middle school, and and I followed them out here my junior year of high school. So I moved the summer before my junior year, brand new to Utah, didn't really know much about it. Uh, however, my family that moved ahead of me was already plugged into SMCC Draper. They just Googled local churches around and, and they really fell in love with what was happening at Draper. And so I started attending as a student and really from the first month, I, I wanted to get plugged in. I started attending the youth ministry regularly, and I started serving as a volunteer weekly in our kids' ministry. So me and Miss Patty, I know some of you guys listening to the podcast with some history at Draper may know Miss Patty. She's been serving, oh my gosh, almost probably two decades in the Draper That's awesome. in the Draper kids' ministry. And so I got to serve with her weekly, and, and through getting involved and discipled in the student ministry, that just led for led to a passion for church and a passion for what we do here. And and I was able to form a great relationship with a student pastor at the time who, you know, upon graduating high school, he had asked me to be his intern for the summer. So I spent the summer helping him out, helped run camps, and and really just got a new perspective of what ministry is. And then I went up to the University of Utah, went to go live on the college campus. However, my internship... Uh, gave me the opportunity to work part-time at our South Jordan location. So my first year of college was driving 45 minutes from the U to work at our South Jordan location, but I absolutely loved it. Uh, And that position uh, grew over time to the point where I served about a year and a half to two years as the the full-time student ministries pastor there. And then my wife, uh, Cassie, moved from Florida to Utah to work at our Lehigh location. Not your wife at the time. Not my wife at the time. Yes, no. (laughs) My now wife moved to our Lehigh location. And that's how we met. And and we hit it off. And and we started dating. And then we got married. And then life kind of took us on a little detour. We moved out to New York. and, And I was working at a church over there for a few months. And then... There was an opportunity that opened up at our Draper location in the middle school ministry, and and things just weren't kind of working out for Cassie and I, and and so we made the trip back to Utah, and I'm super excited to be here, you know, working in the ministry that really poured into me, and now my wife has an awesome job over at Adobe, kind of in the tech world, so, you know, we kind of moved away, but now we're back, and, and are, we're just happy to be here. We're happy to plug in, plant some roots. Cool. Yeah, fun fun fact about Nick and also our other student ministry staff, who is our intern, Quinton. I met both of them when they were, well, Quinton when he was in middle school, and Nick I've known since high school. Uh, so for someone who's just been kind of an observer of Nick for the last couple of years, it's been awesome to see hmm. just the journey he's gone on and super excited to have him back here on the team at Draper. I Dude, appreciate that. That is cool. I love just getting a little bit of history of that. And I, and I always got to ask this. I ask this of people your guys' positions, because some of our listeners might be thinking the same thing too. You know, a lot of people um, don't necessarily want to interact with students or, or kids sometimes, right? Like, I, And I know there's some listeners out there that are like, yeah, that's me. Like, that, that intimidates me, or I, that, I just don't know if I could do that, or mm-hmm. um, I don't understand them. I mean, so just what is it that makes you guys want to 
be with students and to have that as a ministry, as a as a as a career, as a job for you guys. I mean, that's that's a pretty big that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I'll let Nick go first because he works with middle school ministry, um, <laughs> and 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 I'm one of those people who would go, hey, full time middle school stuff. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> so I'm in this camp a little bit. So I want to hear Nick's answer. Yeah, well, no, I I mean I definitely love the age of middle school. It gets a bad rap. They're sometimes a little crazy, sometimes they're a little off the walls. But what I really love about middle school ministry is it's these middle schoolers are really in some of their most formative years. They're breaking away from their parents' beliefs. They're starting to form their own beliefs. They're start. They're looking at school, thinking, you know, where do I fit in? Where do I don't fit in? Uh, a lot of them are experiencing the internet for the first time. They're getting their first iPhones. They're, <clears throat> excuse me, they're getting their first iPhones, their first iPods, whatever it may be. And so, I just think, you know, how cool is it that we get to be a part of shepherding and pouring into students and. And some of the years that are really going to set the foundation for their high school experience, even into adulthood. So that's the passion for me. And and another thing is, as crazy as the middle schoolers are, uh, something that's always a benefit is they aren't asking, do I like these people? Do I like my leaders, my youth pastor? They're asking, hey, do they like me? So it's Mm -hmm. super fun to to get adults plugged in and just say, hey, we just get to love on these students. We get Mm -hmm. to have side-by-side fun with them. The more fun we want to have with them, the the closer we'll be able to be with them and the more relational equity we'll have to pour into them. I like that distinction that you made there because I think that that's, that is important. And I, and I don't think about it probably enough at that age. They're not trying to say like, ah, where's like, where's like the cool guy I get to hang out with? They're just worried about, they're, they're probably finally realizing people look at me in certain ways and do mm-hmm. they like me? Do, yeah. you know, do I need to change to be liked or do I need to do something to be liked? And that's a really big deal at that, that formative age. Yeah, and we have a value across, you know, all of our ministries at SMCC belong before you believe, but I think, you know, that value holds strong weight in our student ministries as well. And so I'm super excited to, to be able to hold up to that value and create an environment where all middle schoolers, whatever their interests, whatever, they, whatever they're like, they can belong before they believe. Excellent. Well, thanks, Nick, for giving that. Now, Joe, how about you? I mean, you were even a teacher, so that's that's even intimidating as well. Yeah, um, I totally understand the perspective of like, man, like high schoolers and middle schoolers are tough. And on middle school, quick shout out to Nick. If you're a parent of a middle schooler or a middle schooler who's listening, there's I don't know if there's a better person in Utah running middle school ministry than Nick. So if you want to see uh, just a great time, a great environment, great friends, come spend time with Nick on Mondays and Sundays. He does a great job. Thank you. Um, better than I could definitely do with middle school. Um, so I love having Nick. Uh, but for me, I just never really understood that question because it never really crossed my mind. Um, it was just something that when I think back over my life that I'd always kind of done um, in, in terms of spending time with you know people a few years younger than me. Uh, growing up, I played a ton of sports. I was really big into hockey um, and also volleyball. And I had an opportunity growing up to like help like coach kids camps and do some one-on-one coaching and things like that. And so this idea of like looking a few steps behind me and going, hey, how can I help coach and train and develop and lift up these people behind me? Um, I don't know when that started exactly, but it's just kind of something I've always kind of done. Um and I think especially why I love high school students is, you know, when we mostly have an adult audience, I'm assuming on the podcast, I don't know how many middle schoolers are running around with headphones and listening <laughs> to this. Um, but I think all of us as adults would say there are things that we did in high school 
um, that have deeply impacted us, positively or negatively, that have shaped the way that we live in the world, that shape our current relationships, that shape our current um, image of ourselves, image of others, image of the world, image of our parents, image of parenting, images of marriage. Like we have all these things that happen in high school as we're just trying to figure things out um, that can really shape the way that we launch into the world. And so something we talk about with our high schoolers a lot is the things we believe about the world change the way we live in the world. Mm. And high schoolers are at a time where they're having a lot of things happen that can really, really shape what they believe about the world. And so having a chance to point them in a direction um, of our ultimate authority as Christ, as someone who loves them, who died for them, who, despite any of the other things happening around them, offers a secure foundation, that is such an impactful um, influence on the rest of their life and the way they view the rest of their life and the way they make important decisions about um, the things that they decide to do, you know, when to date, who to date, you know, why do I do this, why do I do that? just really, really important because it's really easy to get wrong um, and suffer the unnecessary consequences um, of making unwise decisions. Hmm. That's that's great. I, I love hearing you guys' hearts. And I don't know if our listeners know this. I was telling somebody the other day this. Oh, I met, I met a pastor um, just on Sunday afternoon when I was at the park. And it was talking about my background and my schooling. And I told him, yeah, I got a degree in youth ministry and I never used it. <laughs> I was like, I remember my junior year of school. I was like, I, I'm just not cut out for this. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are cut out for it. <laughs> yeah, my joke is Adam is the resident youth ministry expert as he is the only person with a specific degree in youth ministry. <laughs> the specific degree with no, uh, well, I did do an internship, but uh, yeah, no, no like formal like experience with it. Well, I'm glad to have you guys on the team. I really think you guys are great assets here at SMCC. And for our listeners, I know, uh, you know, Joe and Nick pretty well. And, um, and, uh, at the, at the Draper offices specifically, you got to get a peek behind the curtain here. So I'm on the central support team and currently our central support team, uh, offices, um, are shared with Drapers just cause there's the most space. There. Yeah. Like four so, offices down. Yeah. Yeah. So a few doors down. And, and I see these guys a lot. And, and one thing for sure I know is that both Joe and Nick are, they are thinkers. That is like, I'm, I'm that, never second guess that in my mind. These guys are not only passionate about students, but they are also just thinkers. They, they are people who want to um, uh, take concepts and, and break them down, think through them, try to piece them apart and, and, and put them back together. They, they are people who... Uh, really like to to go through ideas and really see what what is you know what is there to 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 look at and and so with that being said I love being in the office and seeing different things come up and jump into discussions that that they might be in and here's what's so funny is that I don't remember how long it goes so it was maybe a month or two um, I was in the office and I believe it was Nick who came up to me initially and he gives me this piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly where this is going. <laughs> and um, and uh, oh, there's, some, there's some background to this, but gives me this piece of paper and he asks me, what do you ask me? How do I feel? Is yeah, so how are you feeling today? How am I feeling today? Which, which that is uh, a very, um, in most cases, that's a very simple question, right? Like, uh, or maybe you just say, how, how are you doing, right? Like when you greet somebody. Mm-hmm. But here on this piece of paper, there's this big circle with all these um, lines dividing up different 
uh, things uh, of different feelings, I guess is what yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we have dubbed it the the wheelie of feelies. The wheelie of feelies. That's what it is. So, guys, so listeners, just imagine in your mind there's a circle, but instead of like a pie chart, there's like tons of little slices, and then slices inside of slices, and it kind of get, like gets closer and closer towards the circle. So. Um, I, I want you guys, you were doing a series for your students, if, if I recall. Is that right? That related to this? Yeah. Or is that, am I remembering that wrong? Yeah. So the, so the overarching thing that we're kind of getting at, that the idea with this feelings wheel um, was to help students to kind of connect um, like very potent emotions like happy, sad, mad, you know, things like that to more finite emotions um, to mm. really help them be introspective about what they're feeling, why they're feeling it, and things mm-hmm. that have happened to kind of make them feel that way or happen with them, you know, you know, to cause them to feel that way. And the and like you said, we're thinkers, and so it wasn't just something we saw online. We're like, let's do that, you know. <laughs> um, the biggest driving thought behind it um, is, and I'm not an expert on this. I just observe students and parents and people, and um, you know, I've spent a lot of time studying theology and things like that. But I come to the place where I I think people's emotional maturity is kind of the glass ceiling for their spiritual maturity. Hmm. Um, that to the level that people can understand their emotions and why they do what they do um, is to the level that they can really grow in spiritual maturity. And the reason I say that hmm. um, is I can't remember who said it right now, um, but there was a quote that all of life is repentance. Um, you know, all of life is this idea of, man, we are recognizing our sinfulness, and in our sinfulness, we're recognizing the grace that and forgiveness we have in Christ, and that impacts our ability to love others. Mm. And so to the level that we can understand ourselves um, and understand the depth of love that God has for us is the level mm. that we'll be able to grow um, to God, towards God. You know, it's God's kindness that draws us towards repentance. And so the level that we understand ourselves and our need for God, which is very emotional, hmm. um, is the level that we can really grow spiritually. And so we saw a need in our students' lives in a world where they're just inundated with screens to go, hey, how do we really help them to be introspective hmm. about what they're thinking and feeling? And then hmm. begin to filter those thoughts and feelings through the gospel. Wow! And so that led into Nick having the great because that was a big <laughs> idea, and I was like, man, I have no idea how to get students <laughs> to do this. Nick had the fantastic find of the of the wheelie feely. Yep, of the wheelie feely. <laughs> and and before we go anymore, I, I I really want to pause on this for our listeners. I think this is such an interesting idea. And again, I know you're not an expert in this. So you guys are just both thinkers, uh, probably like a lot of our listeners, but. That there is in in some way, maybe not directly, maybe indirectly, but the, but there's a tie between our emotional maturity and and how that can limit our maturity in 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 our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. That, that that's that's yeah, like yeah. a really like the simplest example mm-hmm. um, that, that that I can think of. Um, it's kind of a buzzword in culture right now is victim. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And and just a quick side note, there are people that are truly victims of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like a victim mentality that sure. everything that happens to me is somebody else's fault. Right. And if we go through life that way, then we never have a need for God or for anyone else. Because mm-hmm. anything bad that ever happens to me, it's not because of the sin in me, it's because of circumstances outside of me. Sure. And so until we can break through that and get people to see like, no, like I, I do have sin, there is sin in me. People will never see their need for God. And so that's probably the clearest example, like 
of the need for emotional maturity and emotional health in a spiritual relationship. Wow. Interesting. So, man, I love that concept. And, and, and I wouldn't even say like, oh, yeah, like here's where you... Uh, find that in the Bible or something, right? But it's a it's a great concept to help us maybe put some skin on things that we understand about us as human beings, mm-hmm. and also our our relationship with faith and with God. Um, so, what do you do? Like, and here's the thing: you guys are student pastors, and as uh, so the majority of our listeners are adults, but this is still a great <laughs> concept to think through, and to even you know challenge and, to, and say, I want I want to think through that um, for adults even. But what, are, what is it that you went through with students to help them think through that? With middle schoolers, even with high schoolers, like what is it that you wanted them to start thinking through? Because I get it. With today, with how people have such quick access to phones, right? Like you can get a phone. Kids are getting phones at, I don't know, 11, 12. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah and, yeah, and if it's not a phone, it's a laptop or an iPad. Or, yeah. you know, it's technology all the time. And, and more than ever, I think, and I think every generation might say this, but more than ever, not only do they have access to those things, but I think in a lot of ways, when I look at my social media even, it's it's prompting something. It's prompting an emotion. It's how how do I think about this? How does this person view me? How when I post this, does somebody now see me? So there's a lot of emotion to tie to just Yeah, the information we take in mm-hmm. changes the way we live. Again, it changes the things that we believe about the world. The things we believe about the world change the way we live in the world. Wow. But to answer yeah. your question, Nick, was the first one to roll this out with small groups. Um, mm. So Nick, just take us through that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking through, you know, we, if our students come every week, excluding summer camps and events, we maybe have, you know, 100 hours a year that they're in the walls of our student room. Mm-hmm. And out of those, you know, there's the fun, there's the engaging, how students bond and and really connect. And, and I was just sitting back thinking, you know, what are the things that we can highlight that, we don't have a whole lot of time in the year to cover, but that's really going to help students go farther and faster in life. And, and that's mm. where kind of EQ and emotional intelligence was the, the anchor that I, that, I, that I hooked into. And I remember we did a series a few years back. Some of our listeners may remember our EQ series mm. where we mm. said how EQ or emotional intelligence will get you for, further than IQ and anything else. That's and right. So, I remember that series. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. so when it came to students, I mean, I, I recognize that... Uh, students oftentimes have a hard time talking about emotions because, you know, they live in a world where emotions are sometimes suppressed or numbed or or Mm. where, you know, negative emotions are frowned upon. We want to portray a good image or just, you know, when when you communicate your emotions over texting or over chats, you know, it's usually through emojis, stuff like that. And so my, my goal was, wow, what a skill would it be for middle schoolers to be able to not only share and recognize their own emotions within themselves, but the emotions with the others, with other middle schoolers in their small group. Mm-hmm. That's why I think, you know, introducing the the feelings wheel as, as a small group icebreaker, as a way to kind of get the conversation started is helpful because, you know, think about students at school, you know, they're, they're interacting with each other, but also, you know, the work in front of them, the teacher. Uh, But when, when they're in the ministry, they're really just in a circle surrounded by other students, other people, you know, there's not a lot of distractions in between person to person contact. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my hope behind the feelings wheel was that they would be able to understand not only their own emotions, but others, and that would lead to deeper relationships with themselves, but also understand, or with each other, but also understand that emotions in themselves aren't bad. 
emotion. Mm. Jesus felt every emotion in the book. And we're in a series on suffering right now. And we talk about how Jesus handled Mm. terrible, like he experienced terrible emotions. And so Mm. I think that that's, you know, a weight that can be released from our students when we give them an environment to process their emotions. Mm. Because again, you know, the more emotionally healthy you are, the better relationships you have, the better relationship with God you have. And so that was my whole hope behind it all is that we can Mm. teach them a skill that's going to take them far in all areas of life. Because, you know, we could have someone who's smartest guy in the world, but if he can't relationally connect with others, that's not going to get them very far in life. Wow. Well, I think to your point that it's not just for students. So I, I am in a small group with some of our leaders um, outside of our high school nights and I've been over to their houses and I feel like in most of the houses now, I see it magneted to their fridge, like a copy of the Wheelie <laughs> of Feelies. Wheel yeah. Feely, yeah. So it's stuff that we've used in our adult small group. We've done it a few times uh, for our Draper staff meetings. Mm. Um, and so it's not just for students. Man, it's, it's just a way to help us filter through and connect with one another mm. um, with how we're really feeling. So if you want a copy, send Nick an email and he'll... Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what I'll even do is I'm, I'm going to get, get a, a copy of the Wheelie Feel and I'll put it in the show notes for this episode. I'll link it and, uh, and host it on our, on our side for our viewers because I do think it's it's super important to understand these things. Yeah, and, and I was kind of passing them out like candy around the office <laughs> and having everyone that walked by the hallway was attacked with a feelings wheel. <laughs> like, how are you feeling? And oh my gosh, what is this? I just closed <laughs> my door and hit the do not disturb sign. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it is a little overwhelming at first, but man, I mean, when we were using it in our in our staff meeting to start off our staff meeting, it's like, it's just an easy way to connect to others quicker because, you know, oh, Adam, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm good. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, do- it doesn't let you stop there. You got to go deeper. And it didn't yeah. only allow us as a staff to really rally behind each other and really figure out, hey, how can we support these other people on our staff based upon how they're feeling? How can we celebrate with them? How can mm-hmm. we come alongside them? And so I think, you know, I encouraged... Uh, students to use it with their parents in the car and in different areas because right. it, it really takes it to that deeper level versus, you know, we can get through weeks by just telling people, oh, doing good. You yeah, know? like you take it to the family level, you know, in the classic, you know, someone comes in the door and you say, oh, hey, you know, how was your day? And it was fine mm-hmm. or it was good. You know, I'm sure moms, you get that response from your kids. They come home and say, yeah, school was fine. And they go up to their room or your spouse gets home. Oh, my day was fine. But it, it really helps you to pause and slow down, be mm-hmm. introspective about your own emotions, um, and then help someone else connect with you on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a new journey for me. My wife and I are going to counseling, and so I'm discovering all kinds of emotions that I didn't know I had. Uh, so my wife has loved to ask me those questions and use that wheel for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny. I think it depends on maybe how you grew up or um, what you believe about those things. But you know, counseling is not something like, oh, you know, well, Joe's in trouble because he's going to counseling with his wife. No, no, man. So, so, so my wife, Callie, and I, and if you come to the Draper campus and ever see a girl playing the drums, uh, that's my wife. And I walked in my first Sunday and said, hey, I think that girl's cute. I'd love to meet her. And then we ended up married. We're married now for six years. Um, but no, like no major problems. We just said we're at a spot in life where like, man, like we feel good, but I feel like there's a level that we can just connect on a deeper level. Like we don't mm-hmm. have any kids yet. And so, man, let's just lay as solid a foundation, like for emotional health and communication and understanding each other and supporting each other as we can. Right. Um, and so for us, it's been super fun. Like, it's just, it's like a fun date night. Yeah, um, yeah, we, yeah. we love it. Genuinely. Yeah. And, and, and I know, uh, me and my wife have done that before. I personally go to, to counseling once a month myself. And, um, 
and I can talk about that more too, but what I, I was thinking about this as we were talking about this, I was hearing you talk. One of the things I think is super interesting about you guys kind of diving in this more, and I think it's an organization starting to recognize this more is, um, I think people maybe in the past or even presently could think, you know, SMCC is just big on theology. SMCC is just big on, um, how do we think like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and like feelings are kind of like somewhere down there <laughs> at the bottom, but you know, those things don't have to be opposed to yeah. each other. No, I don't think they're opposed at all. Um, again, I, I've said it a few times already, but the things we believe about the world change the way we live in the world. Mm. Um, but the things that we see and hear and experience and are a part of have emotions connected to them. Right. And so the way we filter those emotions, the way we understand those emotions, um, really do shape the way we think about things. And so mm. Thoughts and emotions, they're not opposed. They go together. Mm-hmm. For every thought that we have, there's an emotion that goes mm-hmm. with it. Um, and we can have a great thought that is connected to negative or bad emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And the goal is to have great thoughts combined with great emotion. And we can't do that without emotional intelligence. Yeah. Right? And I mean, I think or good comes- theology. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, and I think it comes down to something that my wife and I talk a lot about is, you know, holding grace in one hand and truth in the other and elevating them at the same level. Because mm. if you have, you know, or, or no love or no grace and a hundred percent truth, Ooh. no one's really going to want to listen to you. You might come across as condemning as, mm-hmm. you know, insensitive and, and that's repellent. However, if you have, you know, all grace and love and no truth, well, what are you actually leading people to? What are you saying? Yeah. Versus, you know, holding both up at the same level, you're able to not only, you know, help people by giving them a new way to view the world, a helpful way to view the world, but because of how they see you interact with others, how you interact with them, mm-hmm. they're going to want to listen to you. You're going to have that relational trust. Yeah. Absolutely. And as leaders, it's so important to understand that, that that if you're out there and you are a leader or want to be a leader and all of us in this table lead in some form or fashion, leadership is all about influence. Um, and you can't have influence with people unless you can connect with people. Uh, yeah. um, and yeah. so emotional intelligence is what allows us to connect with people. If you're the smartest leader in the world and you're just telling everybody what you think and you're walking ahead leading the way, you're going to turn around and find that no one's following you. Mm-hmm. It means you're not a leader. You're stuff for a walk. Yeah. So we've got to connect with people on an emotional level to be able to influence those people towards good theology, towards healthy emotional intelligence and all yeah. those things. Yeah, and I think I would have said, you know, a few years ago that, yeah, I'm not an emotional person. <laughs> uh, my wife hates this about me. I have a chronic illness where I, I turn everything into a joke. So every <laughs> every serious issue, I got to make a joke or find a way to laugh. <laughs> and, uh, and so, like, my point in that is I don't – I think emotional intelligence in a lot of ways – is a learned behavior. Mm. You know, you observe it from mm. others or it's a skill that you can learn and practice. And that's why I like the feelings wheel because yeah, Joe and I probably aren't, you know, the staple children of emotional health. <laughs> you know, like no. or in the sense that, you know, we can't teach it, da 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 da. But to have those tools handy, I mean, the the wheel the wheelie of feelies was a tool that really helped me see, wow, there are a lot of emotions out there. Cause when you look at it, you know, it start in the center you have five basic emotions. You know, you have sad, mad, confused, surprised, and and I forget the other one. It's happy. Happy, happy yeah. yeah. And then it branches out mm-hmm. and branches out even more. And so, yeah. you know, looking at the wheel, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many different emotions. But the more that I spent time with it, the more mm-hmm. I was able to use the tool 
the more it was ingrained in my head. So now I don't even need the tool anymore. I might be talking to someone and, and they're talking about their circumstances and I could say, wow, you, you must really feel abandoned in this moment, mm -hmm, you know, and, mm -hmm. and now that tool is ingrained in me and I can serve as a tool to other people as they are trying to process their emotions. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, finding a good tool out there, you know, going to counseling, getting tools mm -hmm. to grow an emotional intelligence, because I, I mean, I just don't buy that. Oh, I'm not an emotional person or <laughs> emotions isn't my strong suit. Well, there's definitely things that you can do to grow in that area. And it's not only going to benefit you, but the people around you. Sure. Yeah. And I can personally attest to that. Like if you had met me six years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, I was just at a spot in life where I was just really um, not super emotionally intelligent. Like, like Nick was saying, didn't really engage my own emotions. Was also really insecure. I had some huge insecurities that I was working through. Um, and so I had to do a lot of introspection and a lot of reading and thinking and growing in this area. And so for me personally, it's like, I believe in this because I, because like I've seen it happen in my own life, and I've seen um, the health that it's brought in my mm. own life, um, and how it's enriched my relationship with God. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, we aren't there yet. We're still in process, and any kind of tool or thing we can find, we want to help students and families connect with as well. Yeah, and it's so interesting. Just there's lots of thoughts running through my head right now, but um, I was thinking about this idea of. of tension and this is something that we get from andy stan that we talk about i think a lot on staff you're talking about the tension of truth and grace mm -hmm. now that those things are are, are are opposed to each other but that uh, we have to manage that tension and the whole reason why tension and managing is hard is because it's easier to just allow one or the other take take precedent over the other um and i think sometimes in life when we have um sometimes there's just people who are like hey i want to learn um I want to, I want to, you know, think about these big concepts. I want to grow in my knowledge. I want to study. I want to, um, you know, even for a Christ follower, I want to know more about the Bible. I want to know the Greek and the Hebrew and the commentaries and all these things. You can sometimes elevate thoughts, thinking, knowledge above. Do I understand? Um, uh, myself, my own emotions. And that might sound really kind of like a strange thing, but it's something that I'm going through now. And, and it started not too long ago of, you know, can, do I understand why am I feeling this way? Why do I why do I act this certain way in this situation? What is behind that? Um, and I learned with my counselor, you know, some things I'm going through now is I'm, I would, I have certain values that I hold, and when those values are interrupted, I can get very upset. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and 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 you don't just know that instinctually. You know, you have to learn to use those tools to find those things and, out. And, and I mean, I think sadly the perspective is, oh, you know, once you're once you're a Christ follower, you know, you can you're getting through anything. You can be mm. happy at all times, have absolute happiness in every circumstance. But, you know, we look to the life of Jesus and the strong emotions he felt. We look in the book of Psalms and just sure. every emotion in the world is in that book and how, mm -hmm. you know, our emotions are strong, but God can handle them and God wants to hear them. That mm. our emotions aren't things that we need to suppress. They're things that we need to experience. And when we're aware and, and you know, something that really... Uh, stood out to me about the feelings wheel is, is it kind of divides the different categories and what the root emotion is. Mm. And there's a lot of times, you know, where I felt I was, you know, confused or sad mm. when in reality I was angry. 
Mm. You know, situations where, and, and I think that we can often misdiagnose our own feelings. Sure. And that can be an issue as well. But the more aware we are, the more we can truly diagnose them, the better we can bring them to God. We can get help from others. And I think that plays a huge piece in it as well. Hmm. Well, that person you described, Adam, um, that that was me. Like sure. the person who's like, man, I want to read this. I want to study this. Mm-hmm. Like I spent a lot of my life until I was about 18 or 19 uh, just kind of living with what I thought was going to work. And I came to a really hard bottom going, what I thought was going to give me what I wanted doesn't. Hmm. Uh, what I thought would satisfy me doesn't. And so I kind of... Um, rejected a lot of kind of emotion going, man, my emotions have led me down a path that um, at the time I thought I wanted and now I realize is I want no part of. It's led me farther down a path of um, hurt and pain than I wanted. And so for the longest time, I went, I don't want that to happen again. And so I just want to get every single piece of information, every single piece of truth and wisdom and leadership and all this kind of stuff. So I don't make those emotionally charged decisions that I've made and experienced the consequences of in the past. And Mm -hmm. so coming to Utah was huge for me because one of the values here at SMCC is we measure maturity not by how much we know, but by how much we, by how well we love. Mm -hmm. And that was big for me because I spent some formative years in my faith, you know, just pouring through the Bible, pouring through commentaries, pouring through sermons and books, like anything I could get my hand on. That's like, man, I just want to soak up as much truth as I can. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with it. That was super, super helpful. Mm-hmm. But I found myself becoming really judgmental of the people that were making the same decisions that I used to make. Um, and so I had to learn that, man, just because emotions have caused destruction in my past doesn't mean they will in the future, that there's a healthy avenue for emotions as we filter them, like Nick is saying, you know, through good theology, through grace and truth. And so it's been a big journey for me to go from, okay, I've got this truth. Now, how do I love people well and connect with people well um, and process my own emotions well um, and learning that emotions are super helpful and healthy? Um, So yeah, so it's been huge for me. Yeah, in my journey with Christ, kind of started the same way. It was diving into all the apologetics, all the different you know reasons that we can know God is real, the evidence for His existence, all of that. And I had a super strong confidence in in belief in God as as just factual. But it, it was weird. I mean, the more I dived in to just God being truth, which is all true, almost the less relationally close I felt to Him in a mm. way. It, it felt like you know. God was just more of an equation that could be solved and say, oh, he's real, versus, you know, another huge role God plays in our life as that personal relationship. And so I think holding both hands, you know, you can learn all the theology, but unless you're in tune with the emotional and the relational, then you're going to miss out on a huge piece of who God is and and, and what he wants in relationship with us. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, and so I don't want people to walk away going, oh, so we should, should just look at emotions. That That's sure. not what we're mm-hmm. saying. You know, yeah, it yeah. is it is grace and truth. It is good theology mm-hmm. with emotional intelligence. You know, it's yeah. spiritual maturity is never going to outpace your emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. that you've got to really grow and develop in both. And I think people will find a richness in the relationship with God that they never knew existed mm-hmm. um, and a richness in the relationships with people that they've always dreamed of having, but been too afraid to be vulnerable enough to have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much um, that that I think was helpful for today to understand that 
really, just like you said, yeah, your your spiritual maturity will never outpace your your emotional maturity. You know, you gotta you gotta nurture both. Mm-hmm. It's important. I love what you said, Nick, as well. Just this idea that God can handle our emotions, and He wants to hear. He wants to n- know us. You know, and part yeah. of knowing us is is our emotions. Um, and to be able to think through those things well, to manage that tension, to hold them both well together, so important, not just for students. <laughs> Probably everybody here forgot that you guys are student <laughs> pastors, right? Sure. You know, but for adults as well. And and um, and with us being in our 20s, that's something that, that we're still hey, learning hey, as well. Hey, I'm 30. Thank you. You're 30. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> you're in your 20s. Um, Appreciate it, Adam. So for today, as we wrap this up, I'm trying to think, what are some? What are a few practical things, um, whether it be next steps that you gave students mm. or had them think through or work through, um, or, or, you know, from simple to even maybe a little complex, what are next steps that people think going, oh my gosh, I've never thought of this before? What is something that they can maybe just start doing that's maybe simple? I'll let Nick answer first. Well, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, well, a next step kind of to maybe... You know, push the buttons of some of some of our adult listeners is you know the students, the children in our lives. We are the example of emotional intelligence. Mm. You know, they are going to be a reflection of of us, and in a lot of ways, you know, students, children will only be as emotionally intelligent as the people around them. That could even be a cap. Sure, and so, right, right. you know, for for our adults, you know. Email us, get the, or, or look in the show description, get the wheelie of feelies, practice, you know, emotional intelligence yourself. There's lots mm-hmm. of great resources and books out there. And, but for, you know, for students, the next step was, you know, find trusted people in your life who you can share emotions with without consequence. And, wow. and you know, a, a huge part of what I'm passionate about is, is creating small groups in our ministries and, and allowing the small groups to be the place where that can be true. Yeah. That the students can, they can be accepted and known, mm-hmm. right? Because our biggest fear is to be fully known and rejected, mm-hmm. but we want to create a spot where students can be known and accepted and, and, and just practice sharing emotions because it's yeah. a skill. Yeah. Using the wheel, using tools if you can't do it on your own, thinking deep, practice talking about your emotions and, and then another, another real skill in this is, is practice listening to others' emotions, being mm. comfortable with other emotions. Because I know if someone's sharing a negative emotion with me, I'm thinking, okay, where's the joke? Where can I make a joke? <laughs> but it's like, no, that's not an appropriate response. So, you know, the next steps is, is just practice. Find mm. trusted people in your lives and just talk about your emotions openly. Hmm. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. No, I love everything Nick just said. Uh, parents listening, um, or just, you know, just single people, whoever it is, man, get the wheel of your feelies. There you go. Um, and instead of asking friends and your kids or your spouse, or people in your small group, hey, how was your day or how, how are you doing? Grab the wheel of your feelies and ask them, how are you feeling really? Hmm. Um, how are you feeling really? Make them look at the wheel and answer through the wheel and practice listening, practice sharing yourself. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great kind of entry level tool. Um, and then for people that are looking for more of like a, like a lengthier resource, um, Pastor Paul, the lead pastor here at SMCC, uh, created a, um, like a study called the Living FDFD Study. Yeah, it's yeah. eight weeks long. I don't know if there's a better resource that helps people connect grace and truth to yeah. say this is good theology and here's how this ex- like changes the way we look at and view the world, which yeah. has a lot to do with emotions. That for me, I was like, wow, like there is so much emotion yes. packed into 
like the, our issues with sin and the grace and redemption we have in Christ. And so that is an amazing study. Mm-hmm. And I think they're available at all of our campuses. And this yeah. isn't a shout out. They didn't prompt me to do this. Mm-hmm. I've done it personally. It's a great resource. So parents, single people, adults, mm-hmm. you know, college kids, get in one of those studies. Yeah. Um, and it's a way to really put rubber to the road and dive into this grace and truth, emotion and theology um, and get really, really good at both. Yeah. No, I've gone through the Living FDFD study as well, and I couldn't agree more that it's very helpful in, in that tension exactly of, of truth and grace. And I know that our, uh, as far as I understand, our plan for the fall, so fall of 2021, I believe our campuses, um, as far as I understand the plan now, is to launch a bunch of those Living oh, FDFD groups. And it is so helpful, helpful eight weeks with homework that is very introspective and, and, and yeah. helpful when it comes to those things. Um, so I love what you guys are saying. Definitely getting the wheelie feely uh, out there or call it whatever you want if you want a different name. And, I, and yeah. I'm trying to the think. The wheelie feelies and ask, how are you feeling really? There you go. Oh, that, that even sounds good. You can make a little caption of that. <laughs> Sticky uh, statements. <laughs> and I think even for me as I'm listening to this and just thinking again about my own journey and the things that I'm learning, um, the ways that I'm growing I think for a homework or if somebody's saying I need a next step or I'm just trying to think, I'm, this is a new concept to me. I got to think through this. I love the idea of vulnerability. It's a huge part of emotional intelligence and how you can nurture and grow that um, that toolbox. Um, and, and and you may say, man, I don't know if I have any safe you know relationships to explore. I've never even thought about this. You know, one could, there's a couple different things. One, you can get into a small group. Yeah. You can start, you know, attending church and, and building those relationships or, you know, maybe in your spot and, 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 um, and I've done this as well. And I do this now, you know, you go to counseling with your wife. Yeah. Uh, I go one on one on one with a counselor right now. And I, and I just make a joke with, with her and I tell her, you know, I, I pay you to listen to me. <laughs> you know, if, if you're in that kind of a spot and you need that, you know, I do have good relationships here with guys and staff and friends that I have, but also there's an opportunity like that too. Yeah. To, there's, to do that. there's counseling and then there's the free version of make friends that are headed in the same direction in life as you. Find friends that go, hey, I care about God, I care about people, Mm -hmm. and start doing this with them. Um, And I I, I wouldn't be a good student ministry pastor if I didn't give one quick uh, kind of add that, hey, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, like what they're doing with students sounds awesome. Uh, We're always looking for great people to be small group leaders and to help out in student ministry. So if you're like, man, what they're saying is great. I love that. I want more of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the best ways that we can learn something is when we have to lead something. Yes. Um, yeah. So contact Nick or I, we'd love to get you guys plugged in to serve, yeah. uh, but also just to talk more about this. Like, even if you don't want to serve, we'd love to yeah. get coffee and just talk more about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great next step too. If you're in a position where you say, okay, I have thought about this. I am trying to grow in this. I'm, I'm already trying to figure, I'm already working on my next steps with this. A next step for you could be at your campus getting involved with student ministry yes. and practicing that with students. Yes. That Take would... it from concept to action. Yes, absolutely. Guys, I have loved our, our first episode here. Um, I think this is, is both helpful and hopeful for people and uh, help hopefully gives them a lot to think about. So I want to thank you guys for being on the show today and then just taking some time out of your day. Really appreciate it. Thank yeah, this was, yeah, this was fun. Thanks a lot, Adam. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for joining us today. Again, if you're not subscribed yet, please do that. That helps us out a ton. Leave a review. And today, if you thought something was helpful, text us to a friend, share it on Facebook, share it on social media, say, hey, this was helpful for me. I think it might be helpful for you. That really helps us out a lot. And uh, we're so excited to have you guys back and be back in another season season four of the fully delighted podcast i look forward to seeing you again for our next episode next week take care and we'll see you again soon
Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, give us a rating, or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.